And then there's, uh, there's two real key points when you're roasting. There's what's called first crack. And it's actually a chemical reaction where the bean is almost like popcorn. It's uh, cracking or popping. You can hear that and the energy is being released. In the roasting process, you need to get at least to that first crack and then you're into like a light roast. Uh, if you go, you know, a minute or so past that, then you're getting into a medium roast. And then there's another crack called the second crack. And it's an even more intense explosion. Once you get to there, you're getting into your darker roast. And then beyond that, you're getting really dark. You keep going, you're going to have a bean that is burned. Welcome back to Winning at Work. It's season three, the podcast for the food and beverage and CPG world. I'm Jennifer Lee, Tony's new marketing sidekick and creative guru. I'll attempt to keep him on track as we discover the ideas and strategies behind all these different, better and special brands. Oh, good luck keeping me on track, but I am really stoked to have you on the team, Jennifer. Your background in marketing and SEO and socials, we are going to have so much fun this year. We're going to be discovering the new brands here in 2023. It's all about functional, good for you, lifestyle brands. Those are trending. Those are the products that are gaining market share and really pulling away from those old legacy brands. We're going to have each and every one of those brands down on the podcast to talk to us, to share their ideas, their inspiration. So you, the entrepreneur, so you, the food and beverage and CPG professional can take these new ideas in and incorporate them into your business and into your life. Oh my gosh, Tony, I'm seriously so excited. I feel like I learn so much just from listening to older episodes. Well, that's why we're here. And if this is your first time here, I would recommend, look, go back, take the five episode challenge, pick a brand, pick a CEO, an entrepreneur, dive in, listen to what it is that they're teaching us. If you love the content, subscribe. We hope you're along with us for the journey each and every week. By the way, do you have a favorite brand in your market you would love for us to amplify on this national platform? Reach out to us on LinkedIn and stay tuned for this week's episode. Hey, it's Jennifer. We get it. Everyone hates hiring. Inspired by his guests, Tony created a novel talent acquisition program that attracts the hidden candidate market, the 70% of people that are not actively applying to jobs. Click on the attract link in the show notes to watch a demo. Welcome to Winning at Work. It is Tony and I'm look, I'm like a lot of Americans, well, frankly, anyone in the world. Coffee is a ritual for the morning. And many people switch off of caffeinated, they'll switch to decaf in the afternoon at some point because they just want to keep that good feeling and that vibe going. Anywhere you go in America, you are going to see a single coffee shop. And it's uh, kind of maybe unique to that town, kind of unique to that culture, but they've not been able to break through, open up other stores. Now, me personally, my wife is from Michigan, so I have come to fall in love with Michigan. Michigan summers are amazing. Um, I haven't been up there in the winter. <laughs> um, maybe that's a, that's a different story. I've seen photos and videos of uh, ice caves on Lake Michigan, some really, really cool things. But uh, my experience has always been Michigan is just uh, in certain parts, it's, you know, sparsely settled, um, beautiful country and really, really quaint towns that are kind of built in and around 
the lakes and it's just a great vibe and you can always find great coffee up there. And recently I had the pleasure of discovering Five Lakes Coffee. And I've got Jared Smith with me today. He is the co-founder of uh, Five Lakes. As you might imagine, they are based in Michigan and they have eight coffee shops. So the, to me, I see this as a regional play. Uh, they own their own roasting operation or roastery. And currently they are selling bags, merchandise, uh, K-cups. They've got their own e-com site. Uh, Jared, welcome in. Good to have you. Yeah, thank you, Tony. I appreciate the opportunity to just sit here and talk about Five Lakes Coffee. And yeah, it's a little cold up here in Michigan, but <laughs> it's, start, it's starting to warm up a little it, bit. We're, it, we have hope. It, <laughs> is spring just starting to to peek through uh, every now and then, I guess, here in uh, late yeah. uh, late March? We get a we get a few days where it pops up to maybe fifty degrees, and then. Then next thing you know, uh, like for a couple of weeks, it was kind of nice during the week. And then Friday, it snowed five or six inches and then that melted. And then the next Friday, it snowed another five or six inches. So it just kind of comes and goes. But it's definitely trending in the right direction at this point. So we're we're excited for some warm weather for sure. But yeah, I mean, Jared, you really have done something that really thousands of these single location coffee shops have not accomplished, you know, and you have already kind of broken through, you have reached a point of scale, you are now a regional player. Um, kind of, I'm really kind of, kind of interested to see how you've kind of, you know, progressed, got it to that point. Tell us about, you know, the Five Lakes coffee brand and the vibe that you've created in, in your retail stores. Well, it's, it's hard to believe, but it's been this April actually will be 21 years since my brother and I uh, we were actually in the construction business together, building homes, and we had the opportunity to actually at first we partnered with another guy in a in a business that was uh, just chocolate. And we got involved in that. And then he real quick decided he didn't really want to do it. And my brother and I always part of our routine, like you said earlier, was we're going to the work site was to stop in and get a coffee. And that was just kind of the part of our day. So the first thing we did when we took over was added coffee. So we, uh, at first we were trying, we were driving about, it was always real important to us to have the best product, the best coffee. So we were driving an hour away to purchase fresh roasted coffee for that first year. And then after the first year we switched and said, Hey, uh, kind of tired of driving an hour. Um, we wanted to be able to, learn more. So we bought our first roaster after the first year and started roasting. Um, and one of the cool things that we learned early on, um, as we were just, cause it was just my brother and I, as we started, we were working out in the coffee shops. The cool thing was coffee. What we really figured out really quick was coffee actually brought people together. So we were the first coffee shop in our small town of Sturgis, Michigan, pretty small community about, I'd say, uh, probably nine to 10,000 right in Sturgis. And then a little more as you, as you go out further, but we were the first true coffee shop in town, I believe. And uh, just learn how that coffee brought people together. So early on, we just uh, really enjoyed that relationship part of it, getting to know our customers, building relationships, getting to know them, and then seeing people come in of all ages, all different backgrounds, whatever it was, they came in, they got a cup of coffee and they would sit down and they would spend time talking to each other. 
And that's just kind of where it got started. We started to fall in love with the process of roasting and learning about coffee and bringing that great cup of coffee to everybody. And then that relationship part of it was a bonus that we really enjoyed. So that's kind of where we started and got going. And then from there, yes, uh, 21 years of just trial and error and learning. Um, I'm not sure we can... Well, I'm going to get into a part of that. I know we, obviously it's a, it's a 30 minute podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we, can't, we, we can't get through it all, but, right. but you, you touched on the roasting and listen, we've got foodies and, you know, coffee nerds that love to listen. So let's get a little nerdy. Just explain the roasting process a little bit for us. So, yeah, so roasting, so you're working with uh, green. When you first get your green bean coffee beans, they're actually green. They're not brown at all. People, a lot of people probably at this point have learned that. Um, we have them imported. They come from around the world, and we're typically working with specialty-grade coffee, so it's just the highest end of coffee, and we work with an importer. And then we, we bring in coffees from every region, so we bring them in from – Indonesia, like Sumatra, Papua New Guinea. We bring them in from Africa. So we have Tanzanian, Ethiopian. I won't name them all. And then we have Latin America, both South and Central American. Um, so you bring those in. We import them. They come in a big burlap bag, just like you see in the pictures. It's a green bean. It doesn't taste good. Um, if you tried to bite it, you might break your tooth. And then... Um, then you're taking that, you're putting it in, uh, we use what's called a drum roaster. So it's in kind of like the best way I can describe it to people sometimes like a cement mixer. So the green beans get dropped into that cement mixer. It's spinning. Uh, the reason for that is to keep the beans from staying in contact with that hot surface and burning. You don't want to burn the outside of the bean. And then you're introducing heat. Uh, there's different ways you can introduce hot air into that. You can use a flame. Uh, we kind of use a combination of both. And then basically, you know, keeping it simple, I don't want to get too nerdy, but you're basically cooking those coffee beans and roasting them. And then it's just a matter of you can't roast too slow. You can't roast too fast. Uh, you don't want a, the bean to bake real slow. It'll have a weird taste to it. And then there's, uh, there's two real key points when you're roasting. There's what's called first crack. And it's actually a chemical reaction where the bean is almost like popcorn, it's uh, cracking or popping. You can hear that and the energy is being released. In the roasting process, you need to get at least to that first crack and then you're into like a light roast. Uh, if you go, you know, a minute or so past that, then you're getting into a medium roast. And then there's another crack called the second crack. And it's an even more intense explosion. And you can hear that really cracking when it's kind of a lot like popcorn. And then once you get to there, you're getting into your darker roast and then beyond that you're getting really dark roast and then you keep going you're going to have a bean that is burnt so you want to if you keep sure going you... you got starbucks yeah right so like i don't know how to describe food maybe the the way maybe a critic would but to me it was just it was it had so much flavor and it was really smooth and there was literally like the finishing flavor was just the opposite of so much of that store-bought and some of that burnt. What's happening? Why are so many of those coffees burnt or bitter at the end? Are they just cooking them, burning them too long? I would say there's probably two factors to that. Yeah, one is just they're roasting. Uh, I mean, it could be, I don't I don't like to talk negative, but maybe they don't have as high quality of a bean to start with. So if you start with a coffee bean that's a lower quality, 
you know, you're not going to have the opportunity to get as much flavor. So maybe they're roasting it a little longer to just get uh, more of a consistent flavor. Uh, the bean isn't, the quality isn't as good. So if you, if you roast any coffee bean, I always think of like, I don't know, toast. If you toast two different breads that taste different, a light, lightly, you're going to taste the difference. But if you keep toasting them until they're almost burnt, you can hardly tell the difference. I think you just answered my question. I think what I have just discovered is that for some of these larger, I mean, really, really large coffee companies, they're probably are buying, you know, they're probably not buying the premium beans. And then if they over roast them, they can kind of overcome some of that, you know, inconsistency. And that's why you get that little bitterness at the end. Whereas if you go with a really high grade, you know, originally sourced product, then you can really focus on all the different flavors and notes. And uh, cause that's what I, I tasted. With, with yeah, that's beers. definitely part of it. I mean, if you start with the inferior ingredients, you, you can only get it so good. And then the other factor is, you know, they're roasting, they're probably shipping it to like a warehouse warehouse type situation. And then it's sitting there and then it's getting distributed out to either a grocery store their distribution system and then you know then getting in the grocery store sitting on the shelf so by the time you actually get that bag of coffee it started because there's oils in coffee and oils over time would go rancid they won't make you sick but they affect the flavor so that's always been a vision of ours as we roast for all our coffee shops we roast fresh every week uh we deliver it every thursday or friday we get our orders on monday we roast and then deliver so they're always getting coffee that's been roasted within, you know, a week or two. So it's super fresh. And then online, same thing. We roast those coffees to order and ship them out right away. So you're getting a fresh product. So I'd say those are the two factors, what you're starting with, and then also the freshness of the roast. Well, one final kind of nerdy question here, and then I want to get into your business model a little bit more to understand how you've done this. Why is it that a lightly roasted coffee tends to have more caffeine than after the second crack? It's basically just, you know, you're you're cooking that bean more, so a little more of that caffeine is getting burnt out of the coffee bean the further you roast it. The difference, I would say the difference is negligible. I mean, it's it's not enough to make a huge difference, but oh, there okay. is there is a difference, but it's not a huge difference. Well, one of your brands though or or one of your lines uh, actually has extra caffeine. So how do you manage that? So yeah, so that's our anger brew. Uh, we love that's actually our most one of our top sellers. Sometimes it's our number one seller, if not number two. But we did, we wanted something that was natural that didn't add you know some kind of outside source. So we actually use uh, you've probably heard of arabica beans. Yes, that's kind of your top grade typically. And then there's a robusta bean. So they're two different species of coffee and the robusta bean actually has almost twice as much or even more than twice as much caffeine as the arabica so what we did is we took a found robusta that we'd like the flavor and it was still high quality and uh combined that with a arabica bean we actually sent it into we did some different blends different percentages different roast levels set it into a lab to get tested for the caffeine content and once we found one that tasted good and hit the caffeine levels that we wanted, then that was our anger brew. So we're so that's really how you make it angry. Yeah. And we're actually coming out. It's kind of, 
Uh, that's a little darker roast, but we're getting yeah. ready to introduce Happy Brew, which is going to be our lighter roast of the same highly caffeinated coffee. So we're going to have a Happy Brew for those who are happy and the Angry Brew for those <laughs> who are a little that's angry. Out there. That's just a fun. That's just a fun play on it. You know, have a you know kind of keep the keep the vibe going with some fun coffee names. Uh, so walk us through just what your current business model is today and your different points of distribution, how you're getting you know, your, your products out to market? Yeah. So, you know, we started almost 21 years ago, started in our small hometown of Sturgis, Michigan. And we always just had a vision and always wanted to take uh, this product, freshly roasted coffee to more people also wanted to, you know, we've always tried our best to be focused on the customer experience and the customer having a good time. We always wanted to, we wanted to give that to as many people as possible. So, um, we've always wanted to open more coffee shops. And actually, early on, we was kind of a learning experience. We uh, opened a coffee shop kind of further out, about two hours from us in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And then we opened one in Lansing, Michigan, which is about an hour and a half. And that was a real learning experience because what we learned is we reached out too far and we weren't prepared and capable to actually uh, service those coffee shops and make sure that those customers were getting the same service that we were giving. And in the end, those coffee shops ended up closing. And then we came back, just withdrew a little bit closer to our own hometown, about 35 minutes away, and started expanding more of like a spoke and wheel type expansion where we could make sure that we could actually uh, service that, make sure we get that coffee there fresh every week, make sure we can, you know, help run those stores and make sure the customers are getting that quality of service and all those things, and also our managers, you know. So we're just trying to take it. Now we've kind of withdrawn, but now we've gone back out and we're at eight stores. We've actually opened one of those as a franchise location. Oh. Uh, and then, but that's allowed us to provide the service for them, make sure that we can service them and help them do the best that they can do uh, versus going out too far too fast. And then you you almost build too fast where you can't, you know, you, you're not capable of providing that great service, great product to the consumer. So in your stores, I imagine they can buy bags there. Obviously, that's kind of one of your retail outlets, correct? Correct. Yep. We, you know, you can buy the cup brewed and ready to go, or we have 12 ounce bags at the store, fresh roasted uh, for purchase too. Yeah. Have you dabbled at all in like grocery or club trying to get, you know, a little more, uh, kind of mainstream out of out of the coffee shop so for yeah we have a little bit we do some wholesale stuff so we're in um try it's a small university trying university just over the border in indiana but we're in all of their uh we're in their cafeteria and they have a coffee shop we're up in um a casino just up in michigan a little bit firekeepers casino so they use our coffee in their coffee shop um we're in some small retail stores. We've never, we ha at this point, we haven't really focused on retail. We've really focused on just growing our, our stores, uh, right. doing the online sales, but we're, we're kind of been toying more with that. We're going to uh, made, made in Michigan expo, um, next month. And we're kind of excited about that. We're starting a project. We're kind of excited about working with, uh, Michigan state university actually on a canned product. So like a ready to drink, coffee drinks. We're kind of excited. That to start. Is a, that's a really hot market right now, Jared. There are, the RTD category is through the roof. 
Yeah, so we're really that we're excited about that. We're working with Michigan State. They actually have a production facility and they work with companies and help go through that process. So we've just started talking to them and waiting for a proposal from them, but we're real excited about that too. Well, so you have your stores really become your retail outlet and then you have just sounds like you're dabbling a little bit in food service, but I would think food service would be a, a great play for you because you can really control that quality because you have your own uh, roasting facility there. So the, you know, the restaurants, the hotels, etc., they can provide the absolute best coffee. It's just a matter of, you know, do you have the capacity to in the sales, you know, ability to get in and, and close those deals? Yeah. So we, like I said, we haven't really focused on that. We've just kind of let it happen. And then now we're just, we're just toying more and making a little more focus on that retail possibility, maybe getting into some grocery stores, um, maybe getting into more wholesale accounts. You know, we want to just, we want to take it slow. The quality is important to us. We don't want, we never want to grow so fast that we don't, aren't able to give the quality that we're used to giving to our customers. So that's really important to us. We want to grow, but not too fast. Yeah. Well, that's wise. Well, Jared, take us back to when, you know, you just had the one store. You've kind of touched on it, how you expanded out and then came back. But let's let's start back from the redo. Um, talk to us about just the lesson you learned, you know, as you were expanding, as you were scaling and becoming more regional. What were some of the big challenges, obstacles, hurdles, that that you had to overcome that you were facing because this is exactly what the kind of small uh, food entrepreneur is dealing with when they open their first shop and you've kind of already gone down that path for them yeah i would say you know you've you do have to be willing to do, i mean honestly you have to be willing to work a lot but more than more importantly than that is you have to be willing to trust people because you in the end you can't do it all and if if you have that personality where you have to have your hand on everything, it's really hard to expand. You know, a lot of people, I think they expand out. Uh, they open maybe multiple coffee shops or retail stores, but they, they've got to have their hand on everything and they just overwhelm themselves with work and they can't, they're not willing to let go. They don't trust people. And then they, at some point they just get overwhelmed. They've got overworked and then they start to draw back. So what we found is you have to be willing to trust people. Um, you have to be willing to be wrong, you know, and just admit when you've made a mistake. I think we kind of have a motto that we've learned over the years. We're either winning or, and I think we stole this from somebody else. We're either winning or we're learning. So we make mistakes. That's okay. Um, we're learning something out of that. We've learned a lot in the last 21 years. The last two years, we've learned a lot to you know, because there's been all those challenges with COVID and different issues like that. But as long as you're winning or as long as you're learning, you're actually getting better. And as you come through those challenges, you're going to be more prepared to do a better job. But I think the biggest thing is just you got to trust your your team members. You got to give out responsibility and let those people work and do their thing without, I guess, uh, micromanaging them maybe is the word I'm thinking of. Well, it has to be difficult when you're looking at a expansion and opening up a new retail outlet, the money that you have to put in to develop it, to build it, to put in the equipment. And then on top of that, you have to go out and hire. You have to hire, I, what, I mean, do you bring in what general managers to run each of the stores or can you have like one regional GM? How, how does that work from a headcount perspective? 
Yeah, so at this point with eight stores, yeah, we have a manager at every store. And then usually they have, we try to have two to three assistant managers underneath them that are helping them with their responsibilities so that they're not overwhelmed. We also have, uh, we've hired in the last few years a store director. So he's kind of working with all the managers and keeping up that communication. Because that's another, I would say, communications, the other big challenge as you start to get more and more stores, uh, it becomes a challenge. How do you communicate? How do you get to all the stores so they don't feel like they're out on an island by themselves? Uh, so we've hired that store director and given that responsibility to him as getting into the stores, communicating with the managers on a regular basis. Um, so that's been big. We've hired uh, a, a gal that does training for us. So she goes into the stores and she'll spend a week at a store and she'll make sure that everything's being done the same, focus on customer service, helping the managers with whatever challenges that they have at the time, just kind of helping them through those processes. And then after a week, she'll go to another store, help them. You know, and over a few months, she'll hit every store for a week or more, and then she'll start over and go back to the stores. Rinse and, and repeat. Uh, yep. So just keeping helping those managers, you know, helping make sure we're still doing everything the same, make sure we're focused on the customer. That's that's a big challenge. It was easy early on when it was just my brother Paul and I when we were in the store because we love people and we love coffee. So it was easy to give people, try to give people a great experience because we had fun. It was a lot of fun, to be honest with you. One of my favorite things to actually do is just to work in the coffee shop, make drinks, talk to people, build that relationship. I mean, we have customers that we've been friends with for almost 21 years. I mean, we've gone to the movies with them. We've hung out. They've helped us, you know, even open coffee shops just for the fun of it. So it's just been a lot of fun <laughs> over the years. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But I imagine as the as the business gets bigger and more complex and the administrative responsibilities increase, you know, your ability to go in and just make a latte for someone and sit down is is more and more diminished. Yeah, I don't get to do it as often as I used to, but I still once in a while I'll I'll be in one of our stores and it'll be real busy and they'll need some help and I'll jump in and usually I I got to try to stay out of the way because sometimes I slow them down. But if I can help, if I can run the register, I'll run the register. Um, I can make the drinks, but so I don't have the me the recipes memorized as good as I used to. So um, sometimes a little slower than oh, isn't the that funny? That... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, maybe you need to sit in on that training, you know, once a week, just sit down and get, you know, get, get refreshed. Yes. That's probably, that's probably a good idea. So I, it comes back to me after a little practice, but when you're in a rush, it's definitely, it can be a, a little bit of a challenge for sure. Well, it's, it's muscle memory, of course it's, it's muscle memory. You know, one of the other big trends that we're seeing in coffee, and I should ask you what trends you're seeing. I, I I'll tell you one that I've seen is, uh, you know, cold brew. How are you? How do you guys respond to what happens in the marketplace in the world of coffee? Well, yeah, that's something that we've learned. I mean, you always have to be willing to adapt. It's easy to become, I guess, emotionally attached to maybe an idea you had that you think was great. So one thing I've learned over the years is just there's sometimes you have to either get rid of something or that maybe you've emotionally attached to for whatever reason. Maybe it was just your your thing that you developed a particular drink or something, maybe it's not as popular and you have to be willing to let that go. A lot of people just get emotionally attached to something they're not willing to change. And then times change, maybe something's not as popular. Like now 
a big trend. Yeah. Cold brew, which we do do. I'll talk a little bit about that, but ice drinks like right now, everybody is drinking uh, even in the winter. It's crazy. Even in the winter up here in Michigan, you know, I don't, I don't know the statistics exactly, but it might be 50% iced and frozen drinks, even when it's cold out. And I mean, I like my hot, my coffee hot every morning to start today, but so that's a huge trend. Um, people are just drinking those iced and frozen drinks all the time. But we do offer a cold brew. That's it's a really good coffee, pretty strong, but yeah, very smooth. So we we do that at all our coffee shops. Um, so yeah, so I think just being willing to change with the times. Don't get emotionally attached to something that you think is most important. Have any local breweries come to you and try to do any partnership with uh, with coffee and alcohol? Because there's a lot of that infusion happening now. We haven't, we had, there was a brewery that had opened in Sturgis a long time ago and we had talked to them about doing a coffee uh, flavored beer. And then they actually had a, this is quite a few years ago, but they actually had their place catch on fire and burn down and they just decided not to open up back up. Um, since then really haven't, we're not real located, closely located to any breweries as far as our headquarters. So we really haven't had that conversation yeah, because I just know those are the kind of the two big trends right now in coffee is cold, you know, nitro, and of course, you know, kind of infusing it with some kind of alcohol. Um, any other kind of lessons that you had learned through the startup and kind of expansion into other stores, challenges maybe with, I don't know, banking or not that we're going to go into that in detail, but, um, you know, it's expensive to do that, how you've how you manage that, what that, what that process looked like, or, or just the challenge of maybe trying to attract people to, uh, you know, a small growing company. Yeah. I mean, I think there's trying to think of some specific things. Um, one, I would say just thinking of like expanding and your systems, it's easy. You need systems, you know, whether it's a recipe manual or a training manual, you actually, we do need those things, but you want to make sure that they actually work. Because sometimes I think we get caught up in making systems that are just systems. We just have the system because we got to have a system, but maybe it doesn't work very well. So that's something I've learned is like, we need those systems, but if they don't work, we've got to be willing to adapt, change the systems, work through the systems. Maybe something that I thought worked when we actually take it out into the actual coffee shop and it doesn't work, I've got to be willing to listen to my manager. I've got to be willing to listen to our trainers. If, if I've developed something that doesn't work, it doesn't work. So let's fix it. Let's change it. I don't need to be emotionally attached or feel, um, you know, upset just cause I'm the owner or something. That's one thing like in the coffee shop, I've always told people when I'm, when I used to train baristas all the time, like if I make a mistake, you see me make a mistake, just tell me, you know, cause all I really care about is the customer getting what they want. You know, in the end, it doesn't matter that I made a mistake or, you know, I don't, I don't care. So that, that's something just being willing to be wrong and don't worry about that. Don't be upset. Cause that's okay. Um, well, what do you think the future holds for your brand? You've already kind of established yourself there in that area of of Michigan and then south of you. What 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 do you think the future holds and how do you plan on kind of executing on that plan? 
Yeah, so we're we want to continue expanding. Um, don't want to get at this point. We don't want to reach out too far. We want to work within our area where we already have a coffee shop, and then build on that and build out. So we're we actually have one more coffee shop plan this year for sure. And it's actually in our hometown of Sturgis. We've never had a drive-through location here. We were starting in a dry, uh, downtown. So we're really excited to actually have a drive-through because that's certainly a trend, especially after COVID, is people like going through the drive-through, being able to have that access and quickly. Um, so we're excited about adding that store. And then we're in, you know, I don't know if anybody's familiar. Or I'm sure people will be familiar with like Fort Wayne, Indiana, but we have a location there. So that's our next goal is to open, uh, I would say, two to three more locations in Fort Wayne. Hoping for one this year. I don't know if that'll work out if we find a location and then we would just build on that. So that would be then we're like we talked about earlier, just going and getting potentially building out in some retail areas. And um, we're going to that expo to try to meet up with some different retail people and learn just a little more about that process and how it works see where we can go from there. And then the other focus would just be, you know, we love fresh coffee. Uh, we, we are regional, but with online now and shipping, we can get that fresh roasted coffee to people in it roasted, ordered to order, roasted and to their house within, you know, just a few days. So we want to get as many people that high quality, fresh roasted coffee to them as we can. Well, Jared, that might be just a great place for us to wrap up. Uh, I think I've, I've, I think I've finished like two cups of coffee talking to you, so I think I'm, I'm going to start getting the jitters if I go any longer. Uh, <laughs> what's the best way for people to find you and kind of reach out and give this uh, uh, angry brew a try, anger brew? Yeah, I'd say the easiest way is to go to our website. It's fiveblakes.com, and that's spelled out. And then there you can order coffee. We roast it to order and then ship it. You can also, on that website, you'll see our location. So if you're close enough to one of our locations, you can find a location. Click on that. It'll have a map and our hours, and they um, can figure out how to get to one of our stores if they're within our region. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jared, I mean, congratulations on, you know, the slow, steady, uh, consistent growth. You know, I... um, you know, I, I respect someone who takes the time to learn, do it right, and not to overextend. And as you said, I, we say it here, you know, failure is first attempt in learning. And that's really what, what it sounds like you kind of embody that, that as well. Well, thank you, Tony. I appreciate the opportunity to, to uh, talk to you and talk to the, anybody out there who listens. And it's been fun. And yeah, it's been a good time. Thank was you. It, appreciate was it. this your first podcast? Yeah, this is my first time. So yeah, for so yeah. Oh boy! So now we're gonna have a podcast expert here coming up. Yeah, all it takes you do one, and then you're gonna be making the rounds. Now well, I know you, what I'm doing. So you I, heard him here first, everybody. You heard Jared first on Winning at Work. Um, in all seriousness, it's great, great chatting with you. Always great to meet meet another great Midwesterner from from Michigan. It's a great area. If you guys have not spend any time up there in the summer i highly recommend take a vacation up in michigan and as you're driving up stop in <laughs> stop into five lakes and, and get a get a cup of coffee on your way up to sleeping bear dunes yes i agree it's great up here it is awesome we'll talk to you soon jared thanks so thanks, much thanks tony appreciate it